spotlighting Hawaii's leaders. We want to bring in Governor David E. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Lieutenant Governor, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Mayor Derek Kawakami. Thank you so much, uh, Senator, for being here. Spotlighting the issues. Where is the virus right now in our community? How much is this overall going to cost the state? How are you responding to the community's concerns? Talk about the level of citations that you guys are writing. Spotlight Hawaii with Yanji Denise and Ryan Kalei Suji on the digital platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Beachside Roofing. Aloha, good morning. Thank you for joining us here on this Monday after Christmas. I'm Yenji Denise, joined by Ryan Kalei Suji. We hope that you had a great holiday. And Ryan, uh, over the weekend, we saw some record numbers for coronavirus infections in our community. Thankfully, the numbers are significantly lower today, but we always know that Monday tends to be a low day because of testing. To put all of this into context for us, we've asked a guest from the Hawaii State Capitol. That's right. We're going to be joined once again by Lieutenant Governor Josh Green, who joins us this morning. Good morning, Lieutenant Governor. Thanks so much for being here. Good morning. Thanks for having me. You know, we find ourselves here on the final Monday of 2021. A lot of us were looking forward to a joyous a New Year celebration with you know, when you looked at the vaccine numbers, the, va uh, the vaccination rate overall, and here comes Omicron really putting a, a pin in all of that. Uh, can you give us an update of where we're at right now with this latest surge with this new variant and how it's impacting uh, the community overall as we head into the new year? Yes, I can. Um, so it's been a very tough two weeks. Uh, two weeks ago when we shared our, you know, the numbers, we were at a positivity rate of 2.0%, and we were kind of doing well the case counts had dropped to 1,583 total statewide. Omicron hit us just around, it looks like December 10th. That's when it began in Hawaii. And we began to see the cases kind of go incrementally up and then very steeply up. As of today, we have 1,384 cases today. We have a seven day average of 1,394, just a little bit over that. And we now have 13,966, 13,966 total active cases and a positivity rate of 11.8%, which is uh, very similar to the mainland. So Omicron is spreading all across the globe, particularly in urban centers. And that's why Honolulu's positivity rate jumped up to 13.9% today. It's disconcerting. Uh, the sky is not falling, although I am concerned. We have to also look at how many people are in the hospital. I know that that's very important to you and to others. In the hospital, two weeks ago today, we had 34 people, 10 of whom were vaccinated fully with two shots. As of today, we have exactly 100 people in the hospital statewide with, uh, with COVID, but also much of them are Omicron cases, and 38 of those individuals have had two shots. Now, let me explain that a little bit. Being vaccinated helps you, helps you not become severely ill, but of these 38 individuals, Almost all of them finished their vaccinations more than six months ago. Therefore, they're not fully protected. You need to get that booster. If people have had both shots and the booster, they're not ending up in the intensive care unit. Right now, about 10 people are in the intensive care unit. All of those individuals are older. They're over 60 years old, and they're not fully protected. That's the reason that I keep saying the best thing that we can do for our people is to get the booster. We've done 300 and, forgive me, 330. 39,457 boosters so far, but there are 500,000 individuals in our state among us right now that are eligible for the booster and haven't gotten it yet. That means all of those people, if they catch uh, Omicron, they have a slightly higher risk of ending up in one of our hospitals or God forbid in the ICU. So 
That's the message. We've got to do that because the surge is profound. And no matter what you do, it will be hard to not catch Omicron. People probably want us to talk about gathering sizes and so on. I'll, I'll defer to you what you want to hear, but that's what you need to do. Go out today or tomorrow and get a booster if you're eligible. That will protect you from getting severely ill. Uh, I want to go back to what you just said. Do you think that gathering sizes and, and masking and all of those mitigation measures don't really matter then? It's like sort of like the booster or nothing? No, they do matter still. Uh, the booster is most important to keep you from getting severely ill. It will not totally protect you from catching Omicron. The best thing you can do is not go to a large gathering. Going to a large gathering if you are not boosted is a bad idea. And going to a large gathering and not wearing a mask is a bad idea because you are very likely, given how many people have caught Omicron, whether it's a very symptomatic case or not, it will likely spread to you. It's super infectious. Omicron is 70 times more infectious in the upper airways, meaning the nose and the throat. It multiplies at a 70 times higher rate from a viral replication standpoint. It replicates more slowly in the lungs, 10 times lower than some of the other variants. That's why people aren't getting pneumonias, we believe, quite as often. But if you're older or if you have chronic disease and you're not boosted, you're taking a risk. So, you know, I have made lots of recommendations to the mayors and the governor. I think that they are somewhat reluctant to shut it down because of the impact on everyone's lives. And now people can make that choice whether or not they want to go get the booster or not. So there is some personal choice here. But one of those personal choices that I would make is don't go to a large gathering unless you have to, because the probability of coming across someone who has Omicron, very infectious, is super high. So we can do a lot of things to prevent severe illness. That's get the boosters, get tested before you go to a party or see your relatives or what have you. But you can also avoid these large gatherings. I don't want to be too uh, mean uh, toward like nightclubs or what have you, but that is another challenge. You know, you have a lot of young people that are choosing to not get the booster and not wear masks. And not everyone is in that same boat, but We've seen pictures and that's where you get super spreader events. So make smart decisions and you'll be fine. But we are going to see our case counts go like they did 34 to 100, very likely to over 200 two weeks from now. Hopefully that's when we'll see the peak and we think that things will start dropping off. We're hopeful sometime mid-January. But for now, go get your booster so you're not one of the individuals that's very sick. I'm wondering if you can give us an update on what we're seeing with our children. I mean, we know that they were the last group of uh, people in our community that were able and eligible to get the vaccinations, those in that range of 5 to 11. Uh, are we seeing a significant uptick in any hospitalizations of children in that age range or younger for those who are not even eligible to get any form of vaccination uh, at all? I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. So. As the father of one of those children, Sammy, uh, he got both of his shots, okay? About 30% of our kids between age five and 11, I believe have now had their shots and got their second shot. We're not seeing a lot of severe illness amongst them. They're getting uh, fevers, they're getting upper respiratory signs like runny nose, sore throat, but they have not been hospitalized in significant numbers. I spoke to the leadership over at White Pacific Health, uh, Kapiolani, who do a great job caring for kids. And they have not seen many cases as far as kids getting hospitalized or going to the ICU. That doesn't mean that children can't spread the virus and that we shouldn't protect them. Like I said, as a dad, as a doctor, we got our 11-year-old vaccinated. But it's more important right now that we get our, our Kupuna vaccinated, our 60-year-olds, our 70-year-olds, our 80-year-olds. Those are the ones that are going to suffer if they're not fully vaccinated. So 
the more people, the better in society, because we're talking about a public health problem, which means spread can go from any group to one to another, can be in schools, could be to, to our teachers and so on. But the most important group to get those shots are the elderly. I don't think people between 60 and 70 are particularly elderly, but they have had a higher rate of hospitalization and intensive care unit hospitalization. You know, this hit us, this this new sort of resurgence hit us right when kids were out of school. Um, are you concerned about kids going back to school uh, at, the, at, you know, in a week or two and, and what that could do? Especially there's a lot of questions here. Uh, here's one from Stacy. Will children 12 to 15 be able to get boosters anytime soon? There are some other comments about uh, Melanie here says my daughter who's 14 is due. She's at high risk for exposure. When were the guidelines for boosters changed to include 12 plus? There is this concern that we bring all these kids back to school. They haven't been in school. Could we see a resurgence there, especially since they don't have the booster available to them? We could. They will not get severely ill because children in general haven't gotten severely ill, but they could catch Omicron. Uh, I can tell you my daughter, who is 14 and is about to have her 15th birthday, is also eligible as her... Um, vaccination was six months ago, but she's not able to get a shot because it hasn't been authorized. In other words, she's just more than six months out, but not approved per those questions. I think that, yes, in the next couple of months, they will approve uh, booster shots for ages 12 and up. It's now 16 and up, and they just are waiting on that data to make sure that we don't see any uptick in some of the side effects, like uh, the the inflammation of some tissues like the heart, the um, myocarditis, that was an issue amongst young males. Not a, a high risk, but it was there. So that's the studies and research that's going on. I would definitely uh, recommend a booster as soon as they authorize it for my kid. So one more time, right now, boosters are only authorized for people 16 and older, if people are watching our show right now. But I do expect in the next couple months, them moving it down to age 12. And then subsequently, this will ultimately be a three-shot series for everybody. I'm almost certain of that. We'll also probably move the definition of completely immune or completely vaccinated to a full three shots sometime in the next couple of months. So keep your ears peeled because that will be a very significant recommendation when the time comes. Another area that has continued to be impacted by this is travel overall and really changing the way in which people are making plans moving forward if they should travel to Hawaii, if local people should travel during this time. Of course, the Department of Health director has uh, you know, said out there that it's maybe not a good time to travel right now. If you could change your plans, uh, maybe this is not the best time to be flying. We do have a question from David saying, how safe is it not, not to test all travelers upon landing? Is there any changes in the works that, that could be coming to the Safe Travels program to include this testing uh, you know, requirement to be added back in, even with those who have been vaccinated? Can you provide any updates on what's happening there? I can, but I need to make some clarifications for David and others. We never had a testing upon landing uh, protocol because it's not legal. We're not able to force people to do that. The testing protocol was within 72 hours of departure and otherwise people would go into quarantine. Our only capacity legally is to force people into quarantine if they don't meet a standard. Uh, we do not have the adequate testing in our state to test. We had 35,000 people come in yesterday, 35,297 if you include all of our people and all of the people that fly the planes and are working on the planes and all the passengers. To do 35,000 tests would be about triple what we have the capacity to do in our state on any given day. And we need those tests for people who are sick here. 
and who are symptomatic and who might need to go back to work. So that's not possible. It is possible, though, to require testing before travel, and that is something we're discussing again. Right now, you either have to be vaccinated or tested within 72 hours. We have other possibilities here. We could require people to be tested uh, no matter what, and I think a lot of people would like that. So that's being discussed uh, kind of at the highest levels. The other thing is, eventually, we should probably make the recommendation that you have to be fully boosted if you're going to get around the quarantine, because otherwise we are going to see some cases slip through. But let me be very clear about this. And it's not meant to be contentious. It's not meant to upset anyone. But people focusing on travel related cases are missing the point. Ninety eight percent of the cases, at least, are tra- are cases that occur just in and around regular spread. It's not a giant number from people who are traveling. For one, they are relatively uh, protected because they've been vaccinated or tested. But beyond that, they don't have nearly the amount of contact that we have with one another, whether we're going to dinners or parties that we throw or churches or our beach gatherings, all those gatherings that we have or going to school. That's where the spread occurs. And if we were to put criteria out there that really prevented any travel here, which is a policy decision that the governor could make, we know, you know, we made that back in March of 2000, you won't see travel here, and then the hotels will close, the restaurants will close, and we will have both a surge of COVID from Omicron amongst all of our people, and we'll have unemployment and suffering and isolation. And we have to be very careful not to have that consequence of the pandemic hit all of us. So the best thing we can do is protect ourselves by getting the booster or being very diligent about wearing masks and avoiding contact. Those are things that are in our control without destroying people's livelihood or their education or the economy. So all of those are really relevant points, I hope. Uh, But I appreciate what David asked. And we are encouraging people to get tests before they come here just because it's a smart thing to do. For another example, if people test positive while they're here on a vacation, they're going to have to stay here for 10 full days. For example, the Stanford basketball team tested positive, as you're aware, and they had to cancel the finals. It'll be very difficult for them to travel. And we were discussing this to find ways that we might help them get home. But it's very difficult to put people back on a plane, even if it's a private medical transport, because they're going to then be close contacts with the pilot, the staff on the plane. Those people then have to isolate for 10 days. So because there's so much Omicron spread, people have to really understand that travel at this time of the year is going to be challenging. And that includes us. If we go off to Phoenix or to Vegas or L.A., if we test positive, we're not going to be able to come home for 10 days. So choose wisely during this surge. And I'm expecting the surge to really come down quite a lot, uh, you know, through through mid-January to early February, but no guarantees just yet. Okay, so given those those challenges, especially, you know, you're talking about the basketball team or other visitors who might come here, is it a good time to come to Hawaii? Do you still encourage travelers to visit the islands? If they are boosted, yes, because if they're boosted and they're smart, which means wearing a mask when they're in groups or gatherings, they're not going to get sick. They're not going to even have to test. It's not a problem if people are boosted. If you are not boosted, you're going to catch COVID probably. You're going to get the Omicron variant and you might then have symptoms and you'll have to go get a test and then you're going to be stuck here. There are, there are a few places that are more wonderful to be stuck, but 
10 days here extra where you're away from your friends or family or from work can be a great challenge. And if you've tested positive, you have a moral obligation to not go get on a plane with other people who are, you know, not symptomatic and not positive for COVID. It's just the wrong thing to do. So it's really tricky. So everyone who's listening should go get a booster before they take their trip. That's the best idea that I can offer. Uh, it will prevent a lot of these complications. And the most important thing it'll prevent is you getting so sick that you have to see me in the hospital, which is the last thing you want. There seems to be a shift in some of the thinking and narrative going out there in the community. We see it in a few of these comments here today where people are saying, you know, I've gotten the vaccine. I've gotten boosted. If I get Omicron, I get it. I, I'll deal with it for 10 days, but I'm not going to end up in the hospital. I'll be a little sick, but at least I'll have more immunity. What do you say to those people uh, who have this maybe mentality now going into it saying, if I get it, I get it. And it'll just help my immunity in the long run. Well, I think actually they make some pretty strong, realistic points. Uh, if you are boosted and you catch COVID, you're going to just be multiplying your antibodies. And it's very unlikely you're going to be sick for more than a day or two. In fact, uh, a dear friend, Congressman Kahele, shared that story exactly with us. He got he did all the right things. He got his vaccinations. He got a booster, but he works hard for us in Congress. And he then caught COVID from somebody, the Omicron variant, to be sure. And he did not get very sick. He had a day or two of sickness, as he shared um, with one with, I think, the Star Advertiser this morning. And so he now has a lot more antibodies. You can't go through life worrying about catching a virus unless it's going to kill you. And in this case, it won't if you've gotten the protection through the booster. So if you're very young, I understand why people don't want to go that extra mile and get the booster. A lot of young people are in their 30s or early 40s. They got their second shot. They finished it off in June, July. They're probably eligible for a booster now. And they just are saying, well, you know what? It's not a big deal. I would just say, please get that booster. But yes, you will live through it. You'll be fine. And each time you have one of these, they're called insults, which is a virus hits you, you do build up immunity. And that's how the globe, the planet, deals with these kind of outbreaks. That's why Omicron uh, is inevitable. You're going to see extra mutations and variants in places that didn't have good immunity, like South Africa. And coronaviruses in general go about three to five years before a population, which is us, can develop enough immunity to stop it. And we're now headed into year three. So we will probably see some variants in years four and five, but each time they'll be less severe. They will be closer to just the flu or closer to a common cold virus. And at some point we will look at this in the rearview mirror. We'll be heart sick that people lost their lives, but we will be immune. Let's talk about that hospital capacity that we were talking about earlier. Um, are we going to be getting any federal help when it comes to, um, you know, nurses and, and, and uh, experts, other doctors and what have you, uh, specialists, that's the word I was looking for, um, and, and what's the status of that? And really, at what point, what is our ceiling on this? Because, you know, we hit that, that terrible benchmark yesterday, over 2,200 cases, that was the most, I believe, for a single day, uh, you know, where does it end, essentially? Okay, well, it ends when the virus has no more people to infect. And those people are the people who are boosted and those who caught the virus already. Those people will not get badly infected. So our hospitalizations will then drop off again. Right now, we're kind of going up the slope of, of this surge. I expect it 
it looks like to peak sometime in mid-January, and then we'll come down it. Hilton Rathel and the Healthcare Association is working very hard with General Hara and Director um, Char to make sure we get extra personnel. They've targeted over 700 additional nurses and respiratory therapists again. We already had 200 people that we had pretty quick access to because they came and stayed uh, on some of those contracts. So they will get activated. It looks to be something around the 10th of January, just in time for the surge. They've been very diligent about this. And so those personnel will help us once again. This time it's a little different in the hospitals. When we had our last surge, which went up to 448 people in September, early September in the hospital with COVID, the hospital was pretty empty because in the summertime, the census of the hospitals are lower. You don't have a lot of flu or pneumonia. Also, we weren't doing a lot of elective procedures then. So people weren't in the hospital for their knee replacement or their hip surgery or for, oh goodness, just so many uh, elective procedures that happened. Now we've been kind of headed towards a relatively full hospital again, because everything that's really everything that's backed up over the last two years, people have been catching up and getting their health care taken care of. And we're now seeing the beginnings of this surge. If the numbers get high from Omicron over the next two weeks, don't be surprised if I humbly ask the hospitals to damp down some elective procedures for a couple of weeks because we want to make sure we don't overflow the hospital beds. Also, the nursing staff can get exhausted because they see so many patients with Omicron and they themselves have been catching this virus. So they have to be out of work for a period of time. You saw that the federal government actually has begun to consider changing the rules for when healthcare workers can go back to work if they're asymptomatic after seven days instead of 10 days because you get so many healthcare workers out that we can't deliver healthcare under some circumstances. So that's a long way to say we're gonna get over 700 additional staff in, it looks like, if we need it. The reason I'm really serious about this right now is because if you remember, when we reached our peaks in early September, you started hearing people talk about crisis standard of care, which is rationing healthcare. And I am completely and categorically against that. I don't think there's any circumstance in which Hawaii should ever have to do that because we can bring in more services, we can bring in more oxygen, we can bring in more treatments, we can get more boosters. There's so many things we can do rather than ever, ever consider a rationing care. And so we have to be ahead of it instead of letting COVID and the Omicron variant kind of surge beyond us. It's really important to be prepared before those conversations start because they will happen in a lot of the states that don't vaccinate themselves. As you advocate for, uh, you know, this booster shot and making this a requirement, do you believe that there should be changes to the safe travels, um, excuse me, the safe Oahu program here uh, that requires people to show vaccination upon entering into a, a restaurant or a gym? Uh, do you believe that it should now require uh, three shots to include the booster on there to provide more uh, support and protection? And, and what do you suggest for those maybe counties that don't require any sort of a vaccination verification like Hawaii Island that doesn't have a program like this stood up? Uh, if they'd be wise to, uh, if you're eligible, remember. If for, if, for example, someone got their second shot um, in October or November, they're not eligible, of course. So a person should be fully up to date on the vaccination and they should probably be given a 30-day window to get it. You shouldn't have to get it on the first day that you're eligible like after six months. But Yes, and the standard for full vaccination is gonna become three shots. Now, as to whether or not we need to stand these things up as rules to let people into gyms or restaurants, that really is for the mayors to decide based on their positivity rates and their hospital capacity. 
Right now on Big Island, they're doing well. They only have two people at Hilo Hospital and zero people at Kona Hospital with, with COVID as of this morning. So they're doing okay. And I think there were maybe three or four at North Hawaii. So for example, Big Island, though they've had some cases, they've not seen a surge in the hospitals yet. Whereas Oahu, where the positivity rate has reached now 13.9%, are up to 91 individuals in the hospital. And we know that, that Mayor Blangiardi has been considering increasing some restrictions when they hit 150. So it's not an exact science. We're checking in with the healthcare personnel all the time. But yes, the best thing to do is to have that booster. That's the standard of care, frankly, to not get hospitalized. I'll say it a third time. We have 500,000 people right now eligible for boosters in our state. All of you guys, I humbly ask you to go get that booster. I did. My wife did. It's the right thing to do if you don't want to get sick enough to go in the hospital. And I have seen people in their 50s. I'm 51 years old. I've seen people in their 50s end up in the ICU on a ventilator from COVID. So you can avoid that by getting the booster. And you don't want to do it just because you went to a gathering or a restaurant around the holidays. That's... That's nothing that any of us want. So if people will do that, we're going to increase the hours. For example, uh, good news at, at Queens, the Blaisdale site is going to now go six days a week, 7.30 a.m. until 8 p.m. to do shots, boosters in general. And at West, they're going to be from 7 a.m. till 6.30 p.m., six days a week off Mondays. So basically 12 hours or so at each of those facilities. There's lots of uh, available appointments at Hawaii Pacific Health. And I'm going to continue to press the governor and, and the team to increase extra public sites to go get boosters and tests. It's not easy because there are not a lot of extra tests around, but getting a booster is not too difficult. You really need to go do it. And then there's no way you'll end up a statistic. And in Hawaii, we have to protect our ohana. We don't have anyone else coming to our rescue, really. These 700 or so extra health personnel are great, but they'll only be here for six or eight weeks. And then We'll be back on our own again. So you can do your part by getting the booster and then we won't have a, you know, a high hospital surge. I know a lot of us got those at-home test kits, uh, very useful. Our family used them before our Christmas gatherings. Uh, but are you concerned that a lot of people may be testing themselves, finding out they're positive through a home test kit, and then perhaps, perhaps just writing it out at home and not being counted in the case count? In other words, are, are, is there a lot of undetected COVID because people are doing their own detection? Well, the answer is I'm not concerned about it. I'm, I'm proud of them for doing that, for being responsible, getting the test and staying at home. What would be bad is if someone tested at home because then they didn't get, you know, counted and, and checked on by the Department of Health and then still went to their parties or work. That would be bad. But right now it's difficult to get into a doctor's office or an urgent care facility in some cases. So it's very responsible to check in an at-home test. And if you have to verify it, then yes, go get the PCR test. The truth is, I'm not so worried about the count when it's a big number, um, whether it's today's 1,300 or yesterday's 2,200. I mean, it's, it's bad. We don't like it. But the hospital number and the severe case count is where we worry most. And that, when I say severe case count, I mean people in the intensive care unit. That's where you have to worry because that's where there are going to be fatalities. We now know that most people are going to catch Omicron if they haven't really protected themselves with boosters and probably mask wearing. It's just too infectious. So we all have these stories now, all of us. Over Christmas, we heard it. You know, my wife's brother, that guy's wife caught it. And so he couldn't come to the Christmas party, right? Because he's in, in isolation with taking care of her. 
our cousin's best friend caught it and they were out hiking. So they were close contacts. One of our children are in a close contact with someone from school. So therefore they have to lay low. So that, that means everyone has a close contact in Hawaii. We already knew about the coconut wireless. Now it's the Omicron wireless. Okay. So it's really spreading like that and we will get through it. We won't even get that sick if we're boosted or if we're young. Another question about the count number, you know, when, when somebody, let's say, tests positive and they're counted towards that overall daily count number uh, as one of those who have been infected, if that individual then takes a few other tests to follow up, because I, I have a few friends that have tested positive, and since then they have taken maybe three to four tests uh, to find out when they show up negative, and oftentimes they are still positive. Does that positive result that they received maybe three or four times count towards that daily count, meaning that our overall number may be skewed because one individual could have had uh, four positive tests and yet they are being count are they being counted toward those daily counts overall? The Department of Health tries to redact those so that you only count once as an individual. I can't guarantee that they're not getting counted a couple times because the systems have a hard time catching up and sometimes people test at different facilities. And so the person that's their technician might not know that they tested elsewhere. So I would not be surprised, Ryan, if people are getting double counted, but much more likely there are thousands and thousands of individuals out there who never get counted uh, per what Yunji was guessing at in the previous question. So it's not an exact science as to how many case counts we, cases we have each day. What is exact is the number I get from all of the hospital C, uh, CFOs and chief operating officers and CEOs every morning by eight. All of them will tell me how many people are in the hospital, how many people are vaccinated, how many people are in the ICU. Those numbers you can take to the bank. So with those numbers, we're able to see where we are as a healthcare community. The only caveat is it always takes about two weeks until we catch up with hospital numbers because people tend to get sick, they catch COVID and some people just get better, it's gone. Other people get sick, sick, sick and for whatever reason, they get super ill and end up in the hospital need oxygen, need, need therapy. So it takes two weeks. It's a lagging indicator, but it is very exact. And so we're okay for now, day by day, I'll be able to share that with you and the whole state. And we will use that number and our potential risk to guide how much extra healthcare we bring in and whether or not the mayors need to be, you know, encouraged even further to limit restrictions. Again, I'll say it, it would be wise to limit large gatherings. Don't go to a large gathering if you don't have to. Make that choice for yourself and go get boosted if you haven't yet done it. These are two things that are completely within your own power and they will prevent you from having a bad experience with this new variant. Okay, we're at the top of the hour, so we are out of time, but I wanna give you an opportunity for a final message and, and sort of answering the question we see in the comments right now, there's basically two sides and they represent our community with one side saying, shut it down, no more tourists, you know, bring back many more restrictions. And then on the other side, we have a comment like this from Lily, who says, we've been in a state of emergency for almost two years, which seems ridiculous. When does this technically end? I think we'd all like it to end, but there are very differing opinions right now on how we get there. Yes. Well, it looks like the emergency proclamations are set to expire on the 29th of this month. And then the general management of a healthcare concern goes into effect, which is what it normally is. So I think that that is reasonable. We always will want to be nimble to get extra resources available. That's what emergency proclamations can do. But I understand where she's coming from. And Jamie and I talk about this all the time. 
if people are responsible and they take the necessary precautions, they're not going to get particularly sick. And we know who to protect in our families. We each know who our kupuna are that are most vulnerable. Those are the people that we shelter and that we kind of wrap extra protection around so they don't catch COVID. That's the thing to do right now. There may need to be recommendations and people will have to make up their own minds whether they adhere to them. Because as we know, you can't possibly enforce all of these rules. But I can give you the best uh, public health advice that I get, whether it's from the federal guys or the local guys or just my own medical colleagues. Get a booster, especially if you're over 60 years old. You won't regret it because you'll be protecting your life and that relationship you have with your children and grandchildren. So please go get it. I recommend boosters for everyone who's who's eligible. And we will get through this search. We definitely will. We've done it before, uh, but it's going to be a little bit bumpy for the next 30 days. So uh, if you need more updates, just tell me. I'll be there for you. All right, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green, thank you so much for starting your the week off with us and informing us about things that are happening right now. It seems we're right back in it. Things change every day, but we appreciate uh, you taking the time to spend with us this morning and answering the questions from our viewers. My honor. Take care. Aloha. Aloha. Great to hear from him as always, and interesting to note that he put those hospitalizations in context. Uh, we've been focused, of course, on the case counts, but hospitalizations have tripled in the last few weeks, and that is concerning. Hilton Rathel and others uh, are calling on the federal government to get those healthcare workers uh, in the pipeline should we need them, which it sounds like could be very likely. The Lieutenant Governor also saying that in the next couple of weeks, he could potentially call for the hospitals to shut down elective procedures. And when we say elective, that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you, you tend to think something super minor, but that can be things that people really need, things like hip replacements, um, you know, certain, even certain cancer treatments or surgeries uh, that can be shut down in those events. We saw that in the last surge. We could see that again, but you did hear some cautious optimism and really, Ryan, pushing the booster. Yeah, a lot of talk uh, about booster shots and really encouraging people to get that shot. You heard him say that 500,000 people are now eligible within the state for that booster shot. And so the lieutenant governor really pushing for further access. Uh, he did explain and ex uh, announce that there are going to be extended hours at the Queens facility locations at the Blaze and also out in West Oahu and uh, really trying to advocate for maybe changes to the safe travels program to eventually include that third shot and maybe changes to the safe access program to also uh, make changes to in include that third shot as a requirement. Uh, overall, Lieutenant Governor, though, saying that it's very likely that people within our community are going to get it. And it's just a matter of uh, personal responsibility, uh, echoing the comments that we heard from Honolulu Mayor Rick Blangieri last week in his press conference when discussing the surge. Uh, but overall, very optimistic about where we're at with the hospital capacity was something that they will continue to watch. Yeah, and you heard him really echoing the mayor there, you're right, in terms of also limiting gathering sizes, basically saying that it's not really uh, going to be government that's going to do that. It's going to be the individual who decides for themselves that maybe I'll skip this party or I'll skip this conference or what have you, um, but really not calling for any limitations there. He's really putting all the focus, uh, all his energy on boosters and not really worried about restrictions at this point. Well, as we move into the last week of 2021, we will continue on this conversation of how COVID-19 is impacting our community. Uh, specifically on Wednesday, we'll be talking about its impact again to the tourism and hospitality industry. We'll be joined by the CEO of HTA, John DeFries, who will be on this program to talk more about any changes that are happening in the hospitality industry, as well as updating us in some of the numbers that they're seeing there and how the state is responding and moving forward in 2022 with this recent surge. We look forward to that conversation. We thank you for being a part 
of this very lively conversation here today. A lot of comments out there. We know that a lot of you uh, have very strong opinions of what's happening, and we appreciate you taking the time to spend with us here on this Monday. We'll see you right back here on Wednesday at 10.30. Aloha. Aloha. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Beachside Roofing.